0: This is Caregiver's Compass, an uplifting podcast all about the ins and outs of caregiving for a loved one. Tips, tricks, true stories, and experts. It's all here on Caregiver's Compass. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Caregiver's Compass. My name is Stephanie Muscat. I am a registered social worker and psychotherapist. Please note that this episode is not the act of psychotherapy. This episode is going to take a deeper dive into what in our healthcare system might lead to mental health concerns and caregivers This is complicated and there are a lot of factors here. There are a lot of pieces here. I am not going to be able to cover everything today. But what I am going to do is briefly talk about my experience on the inpatient side of things. And what I've seen in caregivers from an inpatient perspective, and then I'm going to tie it together to my outpatient work with caregivers in my private practice. If you're not familiar, I have worked on the inpatient side at several major hospitals in Toronto. I have worked in the hospital setting, both in research uh, and policy and inpatient work since 2012. And I also started a private mental health practice solely for caregivers to provide them with the support they so desperately need in Ontario and more recently in Alberta. I'm going to paint a picture of a generalized example of what I've seen in the system. And I'm not asserting blame and pointing fingers at anybody necessarily. I am just talking about a system that unfortunately is and has been broken for quite some time that does not often preemptively work to fix solutions before they come up, but that fixes or aims to fix solutions in its own crisis way many years after something has transpired. And this in and of itself is a problem. These are my opinions based off of my experience, based off of research that I've done, literature reviews that I've done, and the thousands of caregivers that I've worked with throughout the years. So here's a sample of what I see. And again, this is a generalization, but it pretty much encompasses what leads to a lot of the mental health concerns of caregivers. A loved one, potentially with dementia, is not doing well at home. Perhaps they had a fall, they are not eating, they're having behaviors, there's so many reasons why a caregiver gets overwhelmed and flustered and doesn't know what to do, and perhaps... This can be addressed at home. Perhaps if there were concerns and a way to address these concerns by a visiting physician that is accessible or a family doctor that is accessible but has specialized knowledge in dementia, a trip to the ER could be avoided. But unfortunately, those resources are not accessible and readily available. And I know that firsthand from my own mother who has dementia and is at home. So for one reason or another, the loved one is brought to the ER. Sometimes this is due to caregiver burnout, anxiety, not being able to meet their needs, not having supports, not having systems in place, not knowing how the system works. There's a crisis and they bring their loved one to the ER. There are several scenarios at this point, one of which is that their loved one is admitted to hospital for a medical reason, or perhaps they're not safe to be at home. Maybe there's not enough people at home to care for them, or they keep having falls at home and they want to find out what's going on, or they are at risk to themselves being at home because they live alone and nobody could, can live with them. They can't possibly do that because most caregivers are caring for their own families and their own needs, and so they're admitted to hospital. That's one, one route. Another route is that this is being dealt with in the ER at that level. There are certain organizations that are affiliated with the ER, in certain places and they might work with the family to try and put in some additional home care services or connect to agencies in the area that can support. Usually this is all very short term and just a way to get them home. That's another option. Another scenario is that they sit in the ER for so long that they just say, this is either not safe for my loved one or myself, and it's, it's taking way too long, we're going home. So those are the three, again, generalized trajectories. I'm gonna follow the person who gets admitted to hospital. So the person might get admitted to hospital, and in this sample situation, we are going to state that this individual with dementia's name is Bill, And this is not a real person, but just to make this a little bit more simplistic. And Bill has Alzheimer's, quite advanced Alzheimer's. Bill has behaviors because of confusion, because maybe precipitating factors have not been dealt with. And Bill's daughter cares for her but has her own family and children and job as well. And Bill lives alone in an apartment. Bill's daughter tries to visit him as much as possible, and unfortunately on this day, she found that Bill had a fall. She doesn't know how long he was lying there for because she was tending to her own business, tried to call him. He didn't answer the phone like he usually does every day. And so she went to his home and found him. He was dehydrated. He may have had an injury. He seemed particularly confused and she didn't know why. So she brought him to the hospital. Bill gets admitted because obviously we want to know as a healthcare team, what's going on here. Lots of tests are ordered to see what the reason for the fall might have been, if there's an underlying issue such as a UTI or something else going on. Did Bill break any bones? Did he hit his head? Is he stable? Bill becomes delirious because he's in a new setting and he's in the hospital. And Bill's daughter has been so overwhelmed by caring for Bill that now that he's in a hospital setting, although she wants to be there, she feels this sense of relief in a way because now Bill is being taken care of by a different team. So she decides she can step back a bit. Of course, she's available by phone, but she has to tend to her own needs. And in a sad way, this is her only way of seeking respite. She did not purposely seek respite, although there are people who do through the hospital system. But now that Bill is admitted, she finally has a break and she knows he is cared for. So she pulls back and Bill is in the hospital. He's by himself. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what's going on. He just sees people wearing masks taking him from place to place on a stretcher. He is so confused, and his behaviors intensify. And so now the inpatient team is dealing with the behaviors. They're managing medications, and they're calling his daughter to say, well, what's the plan once Bill is stable? Where does he live? Oh, he lives alone? Okay, Can you come in more frequently? Because Bill's clearly not doing well. Can you hire private care? Because Bill needs additional support. And his daughter does not have the financial means to hire private care. And so then a referral is put in to home and community care, which is the government support system in the home. But of course, this is very limited. And as Bill is getting his battery of tests, it's found that he has a UTI and he's put on antibiotics. And once he is stable from a medical perspective, he can then be discharged home. Bill lives in an apartment that is a safe space. His daughter does visit him on a daily basis, although limited, and she is very, very burnt out and overwhelmed as it is. He has children in other areas who unfortunately cannot come to assist his daughter, and they also have pulled back and are not very involved and have had conflict with his daughter because she has gotten mad at them for not participating in his care and for not being involved Bill's daughter does not want to take him home. She has really needed these days where he's been cared for by someone else. And also she doesn't feel she can go back to the way things were before. And frankly, she's worried. She doesn't think she can do it. And so the team calls her and says, we're gonna have a referral to home care supports. He's ready to go tomorrow. And Bill's daughter says, no, I can't take him tomorrow. And the team says, what do you mean you can't take him tomorrow? And she says, I'm not able to do it. I can't be there. I don't feel that I can do it. But really, underneath it all, she is overwhelmed. She is anxious. She is scared. She has felt a sudden reprieve. What is she supposed to do in this moment? Unfortunately, she is seen by many members of the team as noncompliant, as somebody who doesn't care for her father, as somebody who's just disappeared, without seeing the full picture of what is going on. And many caregivers feel this way in this moment. They want to be there for their loved one, but they are so burnt out. They are so tired. And so Bill's daughter says, I just don't think that I can visit every day anymore. It's been too much. I've been doing this all the time. I feel like I've hit a breaking point and now I'm worried that my father's gonna go home and fall. I cannot do this. Is there a home that he can go to temporarily because I just need a break? And so the team says there are retirement facilities in the local area that she can explore. And so she calls the facilities and finds out that there's a minimum of a one month stay for bill for respite but they'll need to come to the hospital do all sorts of intake assessments and once they figure that piece out it will be fourteen thousand dollars for the types of care that bill needs that is not feasible for her is there another option she says i don't know what to do i cannot take him home like this the team feels it's not safe for bill to go home without someone checking in on him And he is deemed to be eligible for one hour of a PSW per day. Bill cannot be at home by himself other than one hour a day with no one else to check in on him. He does not live in a supportive building. He does not know other people in the building. And there is nobody else involved. Bill's daughter at home is crying She doesn't know what to do. She loves her father so much, but she cannot keep this up anymore. The hospital says they need a family meeting. So Bill's daughter participates in a family meeting on the phone. The team already has passed judgment. At no fault of their own, they have their own pressures. They have their own things going on. They don't understand why Bill's daughter just can't take him home. And she is not able to communicate this appropriately. She doesn't know what she's feeling, and she doesn't know where to go for support. Accessible mental health support. That's what she truly needs in this moment. So she doesn't know what else to do. She says, I can't take him home. There must be another option. The hospital says, well, if you don't feel that you can manage his care needs at home, the only option might be a nursing home. But there's a really long list, a really long list. There's no way that he's going to go to a nursing home tomorrow. Bill's daughter doesn't want him to go to a nursing home. That's not ever what she would have hoped for him. She knows he wants to be at home. Is there no additional home care that can be provided for him? I just need to figure some stuff out. Can you send him home with additional care? There's no care available. Nothing that is financially feasible unless she hires supplementary care, which she cannot afford. The decision is made to transfer Bill to a transitional care unit, a place where Bill can stay that has been created in the system for people who cannot return home who need an alternative location of care there is no choice for bill's daughter as to where he goes because now he is still within the system and he has to go to a transitional care unit that is available he ends up going to a unit that is half an hour from bill's daughter's home in good traffic and bill is transferred and becomes more delirious His daughter can visit less and less because of her own needs at home, and she feels completely out of control and does not know what to do, but she knows her father is being taken care of. She feels so helpless. She feels so much guilt, and she feels terrible that she cannot visit and be there as much as possible and as much as people who may have four siblings involved, multiple family members involved. She feels like she's abandoned and betrayed her father. She needs support, and the support is not there, and she feels like the healthcare system is against her, that people on the team are mad at her, that they cannot comprehend what she is feeling in this moment. She seems to be a bad guy right now. But she knows the longer that her father is in the system, the longer that he's in a facility, that she cannot provide the care he needs at home. She does have more of a break. She has more reprieve. And so she makes the decision to apply for long term care for a nursing home for her father. Her father will now wait in one of these transitional care units for a home, for it to come up. She's paying out of her own pocket from her work for her father. She has to sell his apartment. She has to manage his belongings. And she feels horrible inside. She feels like she has completely done everything possible to keep her father at home, and it just has not been manageable, and she is at a breaking point and still not seeking her own mental health supports. This situation that I have just described is so common, and I saw it so often. I worked in a transitional care unit for five years out of my entire hospital work. I've seen these families. I've seen the stress that they've grappled with. I've seen the need for respite that is not available. I've seen the desire to have home care that is not there, the funding that is not appropriate. They've had to leave their loved ones at home because there's no other choice. They've had to leave work. They've had to leave their own children to take care of their loved ones. They have hit rock bottom, and they don't know what else to do. This is a system that has failed them. This is a system that is broken, a system that needs change, a system that needs to preemptively help our aging family members before they end up in the system. There is so much change to be done and so many caregivers like Bill's daughter who want nothing more than to have their loved one at home. Our system targets people to stay at home as long as possible and not be in the system. But if we don't have a system that allows that to be possible, people will just keep coming through the doors. There are solutions to this. There are fixes to this. There are people sitting at the table, but the system needs to be ready to talk. And so when we look at caregivers and we see that they're not able to do what we expect them to do, we have to wonder where have we failed them? Where have we not been there for them? And a big piece of this is their mental health. If Bill's daughter had resources and support by a licensed clinician that was accessible to her at some point in this situation, someone who could help her navigate the system, navigate supports, see what else was out there while also tending to her mental health needs, something may have been different. But she was never offered this, nor was she able to find it. She googled something and found that there was a three-month wait list for a group, something that did not target her own needs. I created my company for people like Bill's daughter because I was once in a situation like Bill's daughter. But my services are not accessible to a lot of people. They're not free. And people without insurance coverage or people who don't know where to look cannot find us. So what is the solution for caregivers? What is the solution for their mental health? Because it's way bigger than that. It impacts our system as a whole. And that is what I wanted to highlight today. If you are in a situation like Bill's daughter, a situation that I've been in, that thousands upon thousands of people in Canada are in, this is the way that it looks for so many. So where does it change? That is the idea I wanted to bring forward today. If you've been in a situation like this, or you know of someone in a situation like this, reach out to your members of parliament, reach out to your local caregiving organizations, reach out to me and I will connect you to the people who are trying to make change because we need to change this together. Thanks for listening to Caregiver's Compass. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. I'm Stephanie Muscat. Have an uplifting day and I'll see you next time.